and welcome to the GVA Legal Podcast. My name is Jean Kambuni and I'm your host. April 26th was World Intellectual Property Day, World IP Day in short. And the theme this year was Women and IP, Accelerating Innovation and Creativity. So on today's episode, we are commemorating World IP Day. In studio with me is Hazel Okoth. Hazel is the country manager for Kenya at Talal Abu Ghazale Intellectual Property, Ajip. Hazel also received a Global IP Champion Award in 2020 from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Global Innovation and Policy Center. And she's an active member of INTA. For those who don't know, INTA, which stands for the International Trademark Association, and I think it's a Kenyanism, we say INTA, but it's I-N-T-A. I-N-T-A is a global association of brand owners and professionals dedicated to trademarks and complementary intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. INTA is committed to building a better society through brands. Welcome, Hazel. Thank you, Jean. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Now we're going to get straight into this topic, and I'm going to start by giving an overview of World Intellectual Property Day and why it's celebrated, especially on that day. So World IP Day was launched by the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, in the year 2000, and it was launched so that we could raise awareness on how patents, copyrights, trademarks, and design impact daily life. And so they wanted also to celebrate creativity and the contribution that's made by creators and innovators to the development of economies and societies across the world. But why April 26th? So April 26th was chosen as the particular date for World IP Day because it coincides with the date on which the convention establishing the World Intellectual Property Organization entered into force in 1970. So World IP Day is usually celebrated across the globe through events such as meetings, workshops, panels, receptions, expos, and education outreach for creatives, professionals, IP for professionals, and students. Now, World Intellectual Property Day events are an opportunity to explore the different aspects of the intellectual property system and how innovators, creators, and businesses can use it to add value to their ingenuity and creativity. It also provides an opportunity to shine a spotlight on the IP system's role in supporting the economy, social, and cultural development. So I'm going to go straight into our questions. And my first question is, and, and we say this from the nicest place because we have all sorts of listeners who listen to us, but what is intellectual property, Hazel, and what are the different forms of intellectual property? Thanks, Jane. So intellectual property, they're creations of the mind. I think that's the, the best definition that I can give it and other people have given it. They're creations of the mind and um, they come in various forms. So the two main categorizations of intellectual property um, we have uh, what we call industrial property and uh, copyright. So industrial property will comprise of your trademarks, your patents, your industrial designs and utility models. And then you have copyright as a separate category of um, intellectual property. So I'll just give you a run through of um, what these things are. So when we talk about trademark, um, a trademark is is a name or a slogan or, you know, something that you come up with and it goes by that name. So if you come up with um, 
water, for instance, and uh, you name it gin, that will be your trademark for that particular item. So it's just the names of, of brands and what you categorize it into, into the type of good or service that you're doing, because we have those categorizations if you go deeper into, into the application of it. So it's just a name, it's a name, it's a slogan, it's um something inventive. It could be a mark as well. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a word. It could be a simple symbol or a sign or what we call a mark. In more advanced jurisdictions, we have um things like scent marks or um we have uh, sound marks as well. On a Kenyan level, we still haven't gotten to that, but we have those kind of marks when you go to other jurisdictions. Patents are uh, new innovations, you know, never had before, never seen before type of uh, intellectual property. So someone comes up with um something completely new, completely different. It's never been seen in Kenya. It's never been seen anywhere else. So those that's what we refer to to us patents. It's one of the intellectual property rights that we categorize under industrial property. Then we have utility models, which we also call uh, petty patents. We refer to them as maybe modifications or additions to, to an existing patent. So for instance, if you modify some new product that you've come up with or some new some new thing that you've come up with, if you make any additional adjustments to it or add to it some functionality or another, we'd categorize that as a utility model or a petty patent. And then we have industrial designs, which are um, 3D. It's it's the way a thing looks like. For instance, um, again, if I use example of water, we you came up with water and you branded it gin. So if you have it in a bottle that looks a certain type of way, the shape of that bottle, the way it appears, the way the usability of it and, and something like that, the way the product appears, the aesthetic of it is what we call an industrial design. And then we have things like um, geographical indications, which are also, it's also a category, category of uh, intellectual property. So GIs, geographical indications in short, or in some countries, they call them uh, appellations of origin. It's a mark that categorizes where something has come from. For instance, um, if this thing has an attribute of, of a certain region, if if it's um, it's the things like you hear like champagne comes from the champagne region in France, that's just an example of a GI. It's it the product that you have at hand um, meets the characteristic of a certain region and our an attribute of a certain region, and then. Um, we also have another categorization we call trade secrets, um, which is that that is a, it's a trade secret. <laughs> you know, it's confidential business material or it's a secret. Um, and we have mechanisms to protect that as well as intellectual property. And then now the other categorization of uh, copyright is um, copyright now will involve your literal works, your sound, sound recordings, books, um, uh, broadcast that category of intellectual property rights um they are they are all collectively referred to as um copyright those those different types of works so it's um it's, it's a broad. wide yeah it's a bit of a wide um space there are those different types of intellectual property so like if I was to give an example and I think I'm going to use um coca-cola mm -hmm. as my example and I'm going to try this so let me try and um, break down those different types of IP you've said and use Coca-Cola as my example, but I'll segue to Nike, but I'll use Coca-Cola for now. Okay. So Coca-Cola, um, and I don't know if many listeners know this, but the formula for Coca-Cola, the black cola that we drink, mm -hmm. not all the other um, 
brands that they carry is protected by a trade secret. So yes. that is the the mode that the company chose to protect the recipe that they have for Coca-Cola. So it's not written down anywhere. No one can find it and you can only try and reverse engineer it, but you can they protect it in that way. Then they have a utility model for the bottle. That's why everyone always references the Coke bottle because it's unique in its shape and its design and that they use um, uh, to protect the bottle. And that's why you cannot replicate the Coke bottle. It even has songs for it. <laughs> then um, they have a trademark for their name, yeah, Coca-Cola, and how it is written, including the curvature that they have on the C's yeah. and the L's. And that unique way that they've written Coca-Cola is their trademark. Even I think they do have a trademark for Coke. Even when they shorten it to Coke, I can I, you will see the little T in a circle to reference that that particular name has a trademark on it. And then when you're talking about also having not not it for it doesn't necessarily have to be a name. It could also be a, a mark. I'm going to now segue to Nike. Mm -hmm. Nike has a tick. Now that tick is unique to them. Yeah. And that also has been protected. Yeah. And then, and I think that I, I've tried to explain it in that way. You have, you have. Um, They, they do occur in uh how how do I say they they can't the same product can bear different types of intellectual property right and the same way you've used that Coca Cola example the bottle though would have um the shape of the bottle would be an industrial design, design because it's uh, you're because changing something way, yeah because of the way the bottle is and Coca Cola actually interestingly they've also protected the the, the their red color in the, the the Coca-Cola, the logo, the, the red is very specific to them. So you'll also find in, in other jurisdictions, you can you can protect the way your color appears. Um, they, they take, you know, they have those color marks and things like that. Though we also do have that that, that here, but their color specifically is is protected as well. So I cannot use the Coke red. You can't even find it. I don't think you can find it anywhere. <laughs> That's good to know. And um, uh, there's one thing you mentioned. I think it was utility models where I take something that's existing and I add on to it. Yeah. So you have your invention that you've come up with. Um, this thing can do this and can do this and can do this. And then during the period of, of that patent, um, we protect patents for 20 years. So maybe around year five or year six, you've modified it and it can do something else. So you've increased its capability and its functionality. So that modification, you'd because it attaches itself to the original patent, you'd you'd protect that as a utility model because it's just an additional functionality, an additional capability of an already existing thing that you've patented. Thank you for that. Now I want to um ask you to explain to our listeners why it's important for you to protect your intellectual property in this way. Well, property is property. You can imagine having a piece of land and uh, you've not protected it. You know, it's extremely important as much as um, it's not real property. You know, pre-2010, our constitution limited the right to property as as real property. But the, the 2010 constitution now recognizes, you know, your right to intellectual property and it uh, mandates the government to help to foster and and protect and create mechanisms through which citizens can protect their intellectual property. So the importance of it is is because it's it's of value. It's something you've come up with. It's a creation of your mind, and it's it's something that will have value in the market because you don't just come up with things 
for the sake of coming up with things. So it increases the value of your product. It increases the attractiveness of your product, the, the way it's perceived even by an investor or someone who'd potentially want to partner with you in one way or another to make the product even bigger or you know, something of that sort, it also distinguishes you in the market. If you come up with your water and you name it gene and, you know, you don't just want anybody to to walk around and sell around water that, you know, it has your brand name and you've called it that and it has certain attributes and it has certain qualities that you as gene have, have put in it to make sure that, you know, it's good water, it's something that is sellable, it's something that can be bought off the shelves. So it has it that it has those kind of distinguishing characteristics and it's good to distinguish yourself from your competitors in the market. And it also, you know, it just it fosters a culture of innovation. When you when we have mechanisms that protect your intellectual property, it fosters a culture of innovation because you're incentivized. You know, if you come up with something and there is a mechanism with which you can protect that thing, and once you've protected it, you can commercialize it, you can go to market, you can make money out of it, you can make a business out of it. It incentivizes you to 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 be in a spirit of innovation and to keep innovating. And you know, these innovative products are what it's what moves this is what we are moving to towards even the economy because these are these are things that make life easier these are things that um they have functionality and and things like that so it it fosters a culture of creativity and innovation and i think that's usually very important i you know one of the places that um the layperson can interact with the different types of IPs watching TV. So like one of the shows that I think I've used, you can use to see how this is in the fostering of innovation and also the side part of the innovators earning from their innovations is Shark Tank. Yeah. So in Shark Tank, they're always looking for innovative businesses that are either disruptive or that are making life easier or that are fixing a problem that you actually have. And one of the questions you'll always hear them asking is, do you have a patent? Yeah. And some of them will say, yes, I have a utility model or they'll say that they have a patent pending and you always um, or they have an industrial design depending on what um, innovation they're bringing to the table yeah and one of the things you'll always hear like one of the investors say is then we can get a royalty deal if you have um the you own the ip and that i think is very important because you cannot drive innovation if the innovators are unable to make money off of their inventions yeah and that will motivate them to keep on inventing and will motivate others to also invent and in the end we make the society better we improve the economy and we grow our breath i, I mean if we did not have telephones if we did not have these microphones then we would not be innovating and i think that's an important part when is the right time though for an individual to consider um, IP protection. Uh, we do have um, with the different categories of IP. We have laws that govern the the protection and enforcement of um, of the different subsets of uh, intellectual property. For instance, we have the Copyright Act that deals with uh, the the registration of copyright. Then we have the Trademarks Act that deals with the registration of trademarks. Then you have the Industrial Property Act that deals with the registration of patents, industrial designs, and and utility models. So registration is as early as you can because, um, for instance, with something like trademarks, Kenya is a, we call ourselves a first to file country, which means that when you come up with something, you can up, when you come up with a name for your product or a slogan 
or a mark for your product that you're going to use to distinguish your product from other products in the market. When you come up with that kind of thing um, and you go to the trademark office for registration, so in the event that it has, you know, there's somewhere out there who has even the slightest knowledge about it and they can see the potential. Sometimes they don't have to see the potential. Whoever goes to the trademark office first will be granted protection over that thing. I mean, with exceptions, of course, but that's what we call fast-to-file kind of jurisdiction. So whoever goes to the trademark first will be granted that right, unless you can prove that you're actually the one who came up with that thing and this person is trying to, you know, this person is a third party who's trying to steal from whatever you, you'd come up with. So as soon as possible, as a practitioner in intellectual property, you'd, you'd advise your client to, to go to the trademark office as soon as possible, even before you commercialize or go to market or anything of that, or make it public. Go to the trademark office as soon as possible and start your application. So long as you've put in your application, you'd be good to go because even the date of your protection will begin from the date of, of the application. But that's that's something like trademarks. Um, other Complex things like patents. Patents are a bit more complex than trademarks. Um, as soon as you have, um, we call it an uh, IP readiness. Um, so there's um, there's a whole field of in intellectual property that we we do called patent drafting. So this means that um, there are laws that govern the protection of patents. And the act requires that your patent application look a certain way, contain certain things. And there's, there's a whole means and there's a whole formula on how you come up with all those things to take to the patent, patent office. office. So something like if you're trying to register a patent, you can go to the trademark, uh, you can go to the patent office as soon as um, you're IP ready. That means you have certain things already in place. You have the title for your patent. You have an abstract indicating what this is, what what it can do, what you're trying to do. You have the claims that you're claiming. This is something new and it can do this and this and this and this and that. Um, you have your drawings. If you need drawings and figures, you have all those things. And your application has to look a certain way. There, There's a whole lot of nitty gritties in the, in the, in the Industrial Property Act in terms of how... So in short, for patents, there's a threshold you must meet. <laughs> there you can is... just wake up and go. There's a minimum um, threshold yeah. that you must meet in terms of documentation, in terms of explaining exactly how different whatever you're creating is and how unique it absolutely, is. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a bit more complex than uh, than trademarks. It's it's a bit more complex than trademarks. Um, and that goes as well for industrial designs and as well as utility models. They're a bit more complex than trademarks. So at that point, you can register your IP as soon as it meets the minimum requirements of, of a patent application. So that's when you would, you know, You'd have you'd find yourself a lawyer to help you do that, or a patent agent to help you do that. And when you meet that minimum basic requirement for the patent application, take it to the patent office. And um, actually, I wanted now to narrow down to the day that we are at is World IP Day 2023, and the theme this year was about women and IP. 
And I think it's just been a running theme this year to just look at the exclusion that women go through. And I wanted to narrow down to that discussion. So women make up nearly half of the global population. How well are they represented in terms of IP registration? Locally, I don't think we have statistics whether women or how many women are participating in the IP system. So we won't have statistics on this is a number of uh, women who filed um, a patent application or women-led companies um, who have filed a patent application or who have filed a trademark and things like that. Maybe the trademark office would have this kind of data within their database, but we we wouldn't know that publicly. But I would say not nearly enough. I mean, if I see the statistics internationally, where this kind of statistics would be available in other jurisdictions, um not nearly enough women are participating in the in the IP ecosystem. There's there's always room for because women are creating, women are innovating. I think between me and you, we can we can give examples of a number of women who are coming up with things and this not just things, you know, disruptive innovations and they're creating these new things, these new age things that um we see on social media and the the back end of it you'll find that it's you know it's a woman-led business so it's a it's a woman who's created it. Um they are innovating, they are creating things, but not nearly as much are participating in the in the IP ecosystem. And what are the challenges or barriers that um, prevent women from participating in IP? When I think of a challenge, I'd, I'd perceive it as a woman perhaps who's already trying to participate in the IP system, but they are finding it challenging. So if I use an example of a patent, for instance, um, we have patent drafting, um, which is a bit of a technical thing. And it, it can just, um, you know, we even have patent agents at uh, at the Industrial Property Institute in Kenya. So you have to be a patent agent for you to file a patent application with the patent office. So you'd find something like um, the technical requirements of drafting a patent, you know, could be could be challenging. They are challenging. It's not something you, you just wake up and, you know, put together a paper and present it before the IP office. So we have those technical requirements of things like patent drafting or even preparing a industrial design application or a utility model application. You'll have a few challenges there in terms of not just the technical requirement of it, but if um, you find you need to find like now, if you need to find a local agent to help you that kind of process, it could be costly as well. It could be one of the challenges with which um, you know the cost element of it because you've come up with something, you've probably put in most of your resources in coming up with that thing, and maybe you you know you're strained for you're strained for a budget in terms of uh, finding assistance to to help you with with that kind of thing. You know, there's also a bit of um, lack of awareness in terms of. A lot of the questions I get as a practitioner in the field, you know, with the different categorizations of IP that we talked about earlier, some someone can come with an innovation or and they wonder which category that they would fit in. You know, I've come up with this. Um, where do I fit in in terms of um, how do I protect this? Is this a patent? Is this a trademark? Is this a utility model? So they, there's a bit of... Um, an awareness gap in terms of uh, of the different categorizations of intellectual property, and that's now you, where you have to you have to disclose now whatever you want to invent to the person who's assisting you for them to advise you on what exactly you need to do to protect it. Because sometimes, I mean, 
you'll have the different rights overlapping. Most times they'll overlap because when you come up with a patent, when you come up with, when you protect something as a patent, you know, it's new, it's novel, it meets the requirements of, of patentability that are provided by the act. You'll have to name your product. So you'll have to trademark it as well. So most of this, and if it comes in, in some sort of, um, if there's a 3D format that it comes in, if there's a way it's supposed to look, you'll have to apply for an industrial design as well. So you can have three different sets of rights within the same product. And then that that sometimes can be a challenge because someone will think that when you protect it in this manner, it's okay. But then there's that overlap in terms of you've, re- you've only protected this aspect with this, with this patent. So now you need to protect this other aspect by way of trademark and you protect this third aspect by way of industrial design. So that just goes to the technicality and the the technicality of of the whole process. It's it it can be challenging for for someone who's trying to participate in the IP system. And then we also have, you know, um these things by their nature they don't, you know, when you go there and you're seeking registration, it's not something that um will come out automatically. You won't get your certificate of registration automatically. So sometimes you do ask questions. We do get asked questions like that. Why is this taking too long? Why, you know, um, if I can't take it to market before I before I have it registered, because people also do have that fear. It's a it's a it's a normal fear in in business where you'll have someone, an innovator who would be scared that if I take this to market, someone is going to copy it. So I'd rather wait and have it protected. So they'd, they'd be scared of people copying it. And, you know, they'd, they'd rather wait to have a certificate of registration. It will give them more comfort knowing that if I have this certificate at hand, I'd be able to enforce this right because no one is, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not exposing myself to the risk of being copied by third parties. So then you'd find that they're in a waiting game. They are innovating They've innovated something and they're, they're in a waiting game because it's not something that is going to come out automatically. It will take a bit of time. So we have those, that that's another challenge I think I've seen as to why not only women, but even um, small and medium enterprises are not participating in the IP system. Um, there are also people who will ask you why it's important. Um, you know, you know, they'll ask you, why am I doing this? I have a good product. I know it will sell. So why would you bother, you know, what is this trademark you're referring to? Or what is this industrial design you're referring to? Some people, you know, you'll have to explain the importance of that. And there's also an, there's as much as um, the different bodies are trying to, you know, increase awareness. And when I say different bodies, I'm talking about the Kenya Copyright Board, the Kenya Industrial Property Institute. Um, they've done a very good job in terms of, they keep doing a very good job in terms of um, awareness. You know, this is, you know, there you can come to us, you can do this, you can you can register this right here. Um, we'll help you do that registration here. But there's, um, Kipi released an, uh, an IP awareness report around 2021. I think it's the latest one that I've seen in 2021. And one of the findings in that report is that one so um, only one in every four people have heard of intellectual property. So, you know, they still, as much as their their awareness is increasing, they still have a very long way to go in terms of this is something that people know of. You know, it's not, um, land is, is so popular. You know, 
there's land, uh, real property rather. Real property is very, but intellectual property, there's, there's still a lot of, there's a very long way to go in terms of making people more aware of this type of property and what it can do for you, what it can do for your business. This is how you need to protect it. So there's a very big, um, there's still a very big awareness gap in terms of intellectual property. And that's one of the reasons you'll find that there are SMEs and small businesses and in, including, you know, women-owned businesses that are not participating in the, in the IP system. Another um, barrier I've seen or barrier and challenge as well, the IP office in Kenya is in Nairobi. You know, the main IP office in Kenya is in Nairobi. They have started efforts. Um, they do have teams that go around the country. And I know that much. They do have teams that go around the country. So you'll find uh, they'll have a team on, on certain days. They'll have a team that will go to Eldoret. They'll have a team that go to Kisumu. Mm-hmm. They'll have a team that will go to Nakuru. But the office itself is in one is in one location. One physical here in, location. Okay, one physical location here in Nairobi. So... If an innovator in Nakuru, for instance, you know, they've come up with something and they're trying to, you know, work around it. Um, I need to go to Nairobi to file this application for it to be registered. And considering that our registry is still manual, you won't go to Nairobi once. You'll have to, you know, and sometimes your application won't have everything that it needs to have. So you may find yourself, okay, I'll go back to my office in Nakuru to gather this additional information or additional documents that they've asked me for and go back to Nairobi. One week, two weeks pass, then you find yourself maybe you need to go back again. Maybe you want to do a follow-up in person because they, you know, they, they'll pick up your phone call, but, you know, sometimes you'll find innovators who want to follow up in person and just try and know what is, what, what is the process, what is happening, what do I need to do? So that also has, um, has a significant impact. I that think. has a significant impact in terms of, you know, let me just create my product. Let me just take you to market. I don't need to do this back and forth with the, with the IP office and, and all that kind of thing. I think that's one of the barriers I've, I've, I've seen as well as a, as a practitioner. Um, one last thing, um, like now maybe touching on the profession, there's there's also a bit of, uh, people don't know that there are law firms that do these things, I think. Um, I think maybe IP is not a mainstream practice in law, though as, as important as it is. So sometimes people don't know that you can, you know, you can walk into a law firm and seek assistance with these kind of matters. So they don't know that we have patent agents sometimes. Which information is available on the KIPI website, by the way. You can just go and check and they update those lists from time to time. So sometimes people are just simply not aware that um, you can go and and seek assistance from someone who's done this before, who's capable of doing it, and they've been doing it, so they'll be able to assist you very quickly. And I'd just like to add here, just for our listeners, in case you did not know, you've not gone to our website, intellectual property and anti-counterfeit is one of our practice areas here at Kikera and Vadgama Advocates. Back to you, Hazel. <laughs> Yeah, so those are those are some of the um, those are some of the challenges and uh, and barriers that could face people. Um, we talked about even the technicalities of it. So the technicalities would go to the registrability because you have to meet a registrability criteria. You know, there's a certain threshold you must meet for patents. There's a registrability criteria for patents. There's one criteria for trademarks. So it, it can't just be anything. 
you know, as much as we define intellectual property as creations of the mind, when it comes to registration, um, it's governed by laws and uh, where there's, there's a set of rules, there's a set of requirements. So sometimes the registrability of it could also be a challenge because you can come up with an idea, but it's great to you, but it doesn't necessarily meet the registrability um, criteria that is provided under the law. That could be also another barrier. Now I want us to take to flip that and say, what can we do to include more women? And I think that one of the things that you've said that's pretty obvious is that there's a, there's a knowledge gap and educating people on what constitutes each of these IPs and the IP rights associated with each of those forms of intellectual property, I think is one of the initial things that we could do. And another one, of course, is having the government multiply its identity so that it makes it, you know, very, very easy. You don't have to, the the leap between wanting to register and actually going into a physical office and registering should be made so small that the an individual would really be remiss if they did not go and register if at all the office was in a place that was convenient to them, like in all major cities in Kenya. So what other yeah. what other things can we do to include more women in the IP regime and in just um, the IP system? There is room for more participation for sure in the IP ecosystem and it's really increasing. I mean, the, the number of filings that we've seen in Kenya, they've, they've been increasing yearly, yearly, yearly. So there are more people filing. They are trying to make it simple. They're trying to make it seamless. They, they are really helpful even when you go to these offices. Um, they're trying to do a lot of awareness and things of that nature. So, you know, there'd be seminars, there'd be webinars um, to just make people more aware. So that's why we are seeing an, an upward trend in terms of the number of filings are increasing. Um, but um, we have things like, um, like now in the intellectual property space, there was an intellectual property bill that was fronted. As much as it's still um, it's still work in progress, I think it's one of the ways in which we can, um, you know, when we've made the, um, the process more seamless and more compact, when I say compact, I mean like maybe an all-in-one type of situation, it could actually, you know, it could actually make people participate in that system more because, you know, when you, you know, when something is, you know, when you go here and you know this is all-in-one, when I come here, I'll be able to do one, two, three things and it 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 creates an environment of seamlessness and um it could definitely lead to more people participating in the ip system in kenya i like that and i'm going to um talk a little bit about that intellectual property bill to the intellectual property bill of 2020 and um let me give you a little bit about the journey that got to that bill and that journey began in 2013 so in 2013 there was a presidential task force that had been put in place um to look at parastatal reforms this is all parastatals and they proposed that the three um intellectual property agencies that is kipi um, the Kenya Copyright Board and ACA, the Anti-Counterfeit Authority, were all merged into one singular government-owned entity. So the task force made this proposal because it felt like the three institutions had mandates that overlapped each other and were complementary. But also these three institutions vocalized concerns that they had on things like they had an inadequate workforce or they had budgetary challenges that were undermining their efficiency in service delivery. So it would be easier if they were merged into one singular organization, then they'd be able to multiply their identities, be across the country and would also manage the functions that they had more efficiently. So 
to simplify the legal regime, the uh, a task force on merger was formed and it had representatives from each of these institutions as well as representatives from the Ministry of Industrialization. And that team ended up drafting the Intellectual Property Bill 2020, which, as we've said, is a work in progress. But I'd like to say that the main things that it says, at least the ones that stand out for me, are one, it establishes a specialized court with um, jurisdiction over intellectual property matters. It establishes an intellectual property Office of Kenya. So that would be like the one-stop shop that for all IP-related issues from protection of IPRs to enforcement of those IPRs. And it also comes up with other very important provisions, but it still has gaps. It still has um, challenges that need to be fixed. And one of them is a very obvious one. It gives an office of a DG who is in charge of all IP matters, but it doesn't, it takes away those specialized functions that these three bodies used to represent. And those are still important. So it still needs to have provisions on the specialized functions of copyright, trademarks, patents, utility designs, um, utility models and designs. And that is one of the main challenges that I have. But I think that it's still an important piece of legislation. And I think that working towards um, fixing those challenges that you may have would be important and would be um, beneficial to the IP regime in Kenya. Yeah, it appears to make the process more seamless. I mean, when you have um, a centralized kind of, uh, you know, a centralized kind of um, a statute and even body that deals with all the intellectual property rights. And, um, you know, Kenya is we are not doing too bad in terms even with the with the statutes that we already have at hand because um the the international ip index from by the us chamber of commerce um if you look at um our ranking in kenya they've categorized the rankings um according to the different uh, intellectual property rights that we have so our ranking for patents and i think industrial designs and copyright is is quite up there i mean kenya appears top of you know of top of all other African countries that were ranked. I think there are about 55 economies that were ranked and um, there are about uh, five or six African countries. So in the category of patents and trade and uh, industrial designs and copyright, we we rank not too bad, not too bad. Um, if you compare ourselves to other African countries, which means that our, you know, our IP framework for that's those specific intellectual property rights is, you know, is is vibrant, is is trustworthy. If a foreigner wants to come to Kenya and protect something, a patent here or you know an industrial design, the the framework is is quite seamless and it's quite. Uh, you know the ranking is is good. Um, we need to increase. You know, our, our, tra- our ranking for trademarks is not too good, not too bad, but not too good as well. So that's an area of improvement. Ranking for enforcement is also at the bottom. <laughs> we need to do a lot more in terms of um, IP enforcement. We have very good frameworks for protection. But um, the framework for enforcement um, needs a lot more benchmarking. There's there's more we can do in terms of um, the framework that we have available for enforcement. Yeah, I'd like to thank my guest, Hazel. And I think the as we wrap up this episode on World IP Day, there are things that Kenya is doing well. But there are also things that we could do better. And I think in the grand scheme of things, um, where we are is not a bad place to be. And the inclusion of women will definitely happen as long as we keep educating them on the value of 
registering and protecting their IPRs. That brings us to the end of this episode. I'd like to thank my guest, Hazel Okoth, the country manager, Kenya, Atalal Abugazale, intellectual property, Ajip. Thank you, Hazel. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming here. Tell us what you think about this episode in the comment section of our social media pages or on email. Our email address is info at gvalawfirm.com. You can also follow Gikera and Badgama Advocates on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as GBA Law Firm. Thank you for joining us on the GBA Legal Podcast. Thank you.